Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. I'm just curious, and I was told by this last night by my uh, Big Ten source, if it, it basically comes down to Ohio State wins the Big Ten title game, they're going to be playing in the championship, uh, their final four. That's what it comes down to. The only way you see something change is if Clemson loses to Notre Dame, because my source said the feeling with the committee is right now, Clemson, if they lost to Notre Dame for a second time, would drop out of the Final Four. By the way, Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback, will join us on the program tomorrow. If Notre Dame loses, the thought is Notre Dame still stays in. And then it would be Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Texas A&M would be on the outside looking in. But we'll discuss this a little bit later on. Last night's Ravens-Browns game, the third highest scoring game in Monday night football history, behind only the Rams' 54-51 shootout over the Chiefs in 2018, and the Packers' 48-47 win against Washington back in 1983. It had everything. It had twists, turns. If this was a Hollywood movie, we would say, that's not true. That's fiction. But the Ravens beat the Browns in a wild game last night, and John Harbaugh, after the game, said the game was stranger than fiction. Ravens holding off the Browns in a game that, well, you had just about everything that you wanted. You had marquee players playing well. You had Lamar Jackson, Baker Mayfield going back and forth. Jackson disappears in the fourth quarter, goes to the locker room. We don't know why he's in the locker room, how long he's going to be in the locker room. Gets treated for cramps. Baker Mayfield took advantage, gave the Browns the lead. Jackson comes out of the locker room, two minutes to go, long touchdown pass. Browns immediately come back, and then Justin Tucker hit a 
game-winning field goal, final seconds. There was also a safety because the line was Baltimore minus three. (laughs) Turned out to be a five-point margin. This is why we see these big TV ratings for NFL games, because you never know what's going to happen. And last night was certainly proof of that. Here's John Harbaugh, the Ravens head coach, after the game. They played a very good football game, and uh, we played a very good football game. It was one. It's it's just a, it's a game that's going to go down in history. So just proud to be a part of it, and really proud of our players. Here is Baker Mayfield on seeing Lamar Jackson appear from the locker room. He's an unbelievable player, unbelievable guy. I mean, his work ethic is is unreal. It, it was like the scene out of a movie. You know, I, I hate that for Trace McSorley, uh, praying that he's he's okay. Um, but, it, you know, as soon as he went down, you could see Lamar trotting back out on the field. It was, you know, geez. You know, I mean, he's, he's a great player. So, you know, it, you're going to have to just try and contain him. You're, you're never going to be able to stop guys like that. He's just a great player. Oh. The saying goes, you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him, Baker. I mean, if you're going to do it, then do it right. <laughs> That's an homage, Dan. Um, here is uh, Lamar Jackson. He was uh, he was wondering what you were wondering when he went into the locker room. I get a ball to JK and my legs just start cramping. And I'm like, bro, like I need something now like, to help me get better real quick because this is this a, a crucial game right here. You know, both teams are playing at Hearts Out. And we went to the back. Um, Dr. Tuck, she was um, helping me out a lot. And, you know, Trace was doing a great job dropping the ball down the field. And then I see him go down, and I'm like, we got to start now. Like, we just got to go out there now. And I start running out there. Kale running with me. It's fourth down. And offensive line brought the, brought the tail off, and our guys just made great catches, and we came out with the victory. Also, he wanted you to know that he didn't pull a Paul Pierce. He didn't have to use the bathroom. Uh, I was cramping. I ain't pulling a Paul Pierce. Yeah. I didn't pull a Paul Pierce. Yeah. I, I was cramping. Yeah, because we don't know sometimes when athletes disappear and you go, oh, like it happens. Golfers do this all the time. You'll see them hit a tee shot and then you'll see them run and you'll go, where are they running to? And you go, uh, they're going to a porta potty. Twitter had a field day on uh, the final quarter last night. And uh, Lamar Jackson just wants everybody to know that he didn't have to use the bathroom. He was going in there because he was uh, getting an IV. I think somebody noticed a Band-Aid on his arm as if it, you know he had had... You know, some kind of IV there. But uh, there were some Twitter snoops who were looking to see if uh, Lamar Jackson was telling the truth. But that was that was a lot of fun. Uh, you know, Baltimore was favored, so you can't be surprised at the outcome. I think the number of points, you're surprised. Um, if my takeaway with the Cleveland Browns is, you better get a defense here because that's a team that can't throw the football very well, and you allowed them to score 47 points. I thought, I thought Cleveland looked good. That's the offense I want to see. Baker had a, a bad interception. You still ran the ball well. You made some plays. But if you're not going to play any defense or you're going to give up that kind of offense, then uh, you're going to be a one and done in the postseason. They got the Giants coming up, and they're only slight favorites. I think three and a half point favorites. Then they had the Jets, and then they had the Steelers. All right, win one more of those games. You got 10 wins, and I think a Cleveland Browns fan would have signed up in a hurry if you said you're going to have 10 wins this year. You might get 11 wins here. And maybe Pittsburgh is resting some of their players in the final weekend. But there's a chance you're going to be a wild card team, it looks like. Uh, As for Baltimore, you had to have it. And they feel like the more dangerous team, and they're going to get healthier. And that's something that the NFL, the NFC, or the AFC has to be on alert. Baltimore's going to be better. 
than we've seen them in the last couple of weeks. But 47-42, last night's final. This program brought to you by Masterclass, offering over 90 classes on a variety of topics, all taught by world-class masters at the top of their field this holiday. When you buy an annual membership, get another annual membership for free. Go to masterclass.com slash Patrick, masterclass.com slash Patrick. We say good morning to our TV partner, Peacock. By the way, did you see where Peacock got all of uh, the episodes of The Office? How many episodes of The Office do you think they shot? I don't know how many years they did it. Yeah, Paulie? I think there is nine total seasons. There may have been 10, but I'm, I'm pretty sure there's nine total seasons. 201 episodes of The Office, all coming to uh, Peacock. You can watch our show there for free all three hours. Download the app. Say good morning to our great radio uh Partners here numbering 375 cities around America. Uh, new Fritzy Christmas T-shirts, 30% off the calendars. Four more days for guaranteed Christmas delivery. And uh, you can uh, shop at danpatrick.com and uh, place your orders there. McLovin, you got a poll question for me today. Okay, so Paul put forth this question. And uh, I think uh -oh. he was trying to be snarky. Okay. But I think it's a great question. I think there's an obvious answer. If you could have one of these players, who would it be? Ezekiel Elliott or Justin Tucker? What's the price tag? Let's assume they're the same price. I know for the hypothetical, a a, a very a good to very a good NFL running back. Yeah, but I'm paying a whole lot more for Justin Tucker than I should if I'm paying him what I am paying Zeke Elliott. I guess you know, kind of split the difference. Let's say they're both you know medium expensive, but just for the player, who would you want on your offense to add to your team? Well, Justin Tucker. There's nobody like him in the NFL. That's pretty fascinating, though, uh, uh, compared to a guy who was considered top three running back in the league a year and a half ago. Yeah, but that's a long time ago. I, yep. I don't think Zeke is going to get better. Uh, I think his better days are behind him. Justin Tucker is going to the Hall of Fame. I know what that. If I, what if I tweaked a little bit and said Nick Chubb or Justin Tucker? And it's the same price? I still take Justin Tucker. Justin Tucker decides games. Games on the line, he decides them. Nick Chubb is a wonderful player, but uh, yeah, I'm taking Justin Tucker. He's, he's going to the Hall of Fame. Yeah, McLevin. See, I would think Ezekiel Elliott will get a million dollars a year for he'll be a Le'Veon Le Bell with his ex contract. Where Tucker's at six million, but Nick Chubb, he's going to be a ten to twelve million dollar guy. So I think the value Chubb seems like a, I would take Chubb. Right, the NFL would take Chubb. I would take Justin Tucker because he wins games. Games on the line. There's nobody else. He's Mariano Rivera. When you go, okay, games on the line, and they got Justin Tucker, they usually win. Um, you know, I think when, when he misses a field goal, that's big news. When Justin Tucker misses one, which he did the previous game. Yeah, Seaton. I like that. It's sort of a universal like agreement that you start your team or you add to your team the guy who's actually not even considered a real football player by most people. <laughs> well, if you said you asked me this question like five years ago, then it's different, I think, because Zeke Elliott. Um, I just don't think Zeke's gotten better. Uh, you know, maybe he's exposed a little bit because he has to create a little bit more. You don't have your, your starting quarterback and your offensive lines banged up. Hey, welcome to the NFL, Zeke. He had, a, he had a great offensive line, and he had a very good quarterback. And then all of a sudden, those things go away, and all of a sudden, I mean, I don't want a running back. I don't want a running back with a high draft pick. I don't. And certainly not on his second contract here. 
Who would you want to see? No, who would you not want to see? Who would you not want to see in the playoffs between Baltimore and Cleveland? How about that one? Because I wouldn't want to see Baltimore. Baltimore has an X factor. Cleveland doesn't have that X factor. And that X factor is Lamar Jackson. I don't know exactly what I'm going to get. But when I do get Lamar Jackson from a year ago, he can win the game for you. Baker Mayfield, to me, last night, I was really curious. Would he get into that shootout mode? Anything you can do, I can do better. Like, I was worried about that. He wanted to be competitive and, hey, I can go toe-to-toe with Lamar Jackson. I didn't want him to get over his skis. I want to run the football. I got two great running backs. Maybe that defense, that secondary is not good at all. But the front, you know, front four has got to put pressure. And, you know, if they're able to do that, that's one thing. But Lamar Jackson's not a drop-back passer where you put pressure on him. In fact, put pressure on him, and he's going to make you pay. Baltimore is getting healthier, and they would make me nervous. We'll talk to uh, Mary Kay Cabot, who covers the Cleveland Browns, Cleveland Plain Dealer. She'll join us uh, coming up in about 10 minutes from now. McLovin, what other poll questions do you have? Another Paul, Paul wants us to ask if you believe Lamar Jackson. Was it cramps or was it bathroom related? Oh, I don't care. Oh, come on. I'm throwing the BS flag. He, oh, no pun intended. When he ran, he ran to the locker room to get treatment on cramped up legs. It, it felt like, you know, if you're cramped up legs, you couldn't run to the locker room. Yeah, but- I think Lamar Jackson should lean into this and get sponsors and Imodium and Pedialyte and all that stuff. I don't think that's what you want to be known for. <laughs> Too late. So. I mean, when you talk about Bobby Hurley, people get around to eventually when he had diarrhea in the national title game against UNLV. That was like 30 years ago. Yeah. Well, it's still around. And then I think sure he is. came out of the locker room with his shorts on backwards. And um, nah, I don't think so. I mean, there's certain things you don't want. Like Rafael Palmero. When you say Rafael Palmero, I'll go cheater. Uh, erectile dysfunction because he did the uh, then you do the Viagra spots. <laughs> I mean, like there's certain things you go, that's never leaving me. It's just not. Yes, Paul. I disagree. Everyone's talking about it. We're all discussing it. Don't don't blame it on cramps. Just say, hey, I had some issues. I just had COVID a couple of weeks ago. I got stomach issues now. Mm-hmm. You know, change your nickname to Beast Commode. You know, change your number to two. Go for it. What else do you have, McLovin? All right, final four tonight. Uh, they'll announce the new rankings. Mm-hmm. You kind of mentioned it earlier, but is tonight's final four the final final four? If you had to bet a week's pay, is there going to be any change off tonight? Well, if Notre Dame beats Clemson, then you're probably going to have change. Now, depending on how close it is, but Clemson's a 10.5-point favorite. It feels like if Notre Dame loses to Clemson, they're going to still stay in. Ohio State beats Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. They stay in. Alabama beats Florida. They're staying in. Um, yeah, probably so. You know, I, I know A&M and you got eight wins and it's in the SEC. It still comes down to the sight test of and, and tradition. Like, why is USC not in the same category with Ohio State? USC is 5-0. and oh. If USC beats Oregon, they're 15th in the country. Like, if you want to go, hey, USC. Now, USC's not great, but they may have the best quarterback in the nation next year playing this year as far as the number one draft pick in uh, Keaton Slovis. But I don't know. 
Uh, Ohio State? Yeah, what have you done? Well, you're Ohio State. You know, the problem is USC hasn't been good the last, what, decade. And and therefore, there's no momentum going into this. But I, I could make the same argument. I could go, well, USC's 5-0. and If they win, they're 6-0. and Yeah, McLovin. But what would an Ohio State-USC line be? It'd be 20 points. No, it? no, but it's it's how we view this. Like we just say, this is about, you know, it's the same schools every year. It, it is. I, I promise you, and I had a source tell me this last night, because he heard me say yesterday, if Johnny Manziel was the starting quarterback for A&M, and it's his Heisman year, A&M would somehow make it into the Final Four, in his opinion, because it would be great TV. That's what this is about. As much as we want to go, this is, you know, based off of your resume, and it's not. It's not. And, and that's, that's the unfortunate part of this, is they give you the perception. They give you at least, you know, the possibility of these teams that could make it in there. Hey, Cincinnati. I mean, good God, Iowa State, come on. They had two losses in the Big 12. Oh, they played well as of late. Okay, great. Coastal Carolina showed me more than any of these schools. They weren't afraid to play anybody. Like, hey, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to play? We will play. And they go undefeated. Yeah, it's a nice little story. Yeah, it's a nice little story. It doesn't matter. They want Ohio State. They want Clemson. They want Notre Dame. They want Alabama because they want you to watch. Yeah, Paul. But what really stinks, and you've been saying this for three months, they could have all those teams play twice with an eight-team playoff. You know, I I know that Clemson versus Coastal Carolina may not end up being pretty, but we'd all tune in for the first half, and you get another playoff game. Instead, there's there's nothing happening. There's zero. There's no games. So you get Trevor Lawrence twice. You get Ian Book twice. You get Nick Saban twice. And I mean, I would even if you said, "Well, Coastal Carolina, you know, got blown out." I, I just want you to have an opportunity. I think anybody who's played sports and you've been an underdog, all you want to do is a ch- just let us have a chance. Because movies are based on the underdog. It's rare when you go, oh, we got a sports movie, and it's about the team that was favored and they won by 36. The end. It doesn't happen. It's the underdog. That's what we root for. That's what we want. We want to see the possibility. And we don't give college football teams the possibility. It is a closed fraternity. And there's only about six, maybe seven members in that fraternity. And the hazing, the hazing takes place with the other schools that think they're going to get in. And they don't. (laughs) You know, you have hell night and you're there and you think you're going to get in. By the way, we had that in the fraternity that I was in. On hell night, you go through everything. Everything. You know, they rough you up. They haze you pretty good. And then at the very end, one of the brothers says, one of you didn't, one of you didn't get in. So we gone through, I got egg all over me. I've been eating uh, pledge apples, which are onions. You know, you had to eat one and then pass it down and then pass it down. Uh, they break an egg and put it in one guy's mouth and he'd have to pass it to the next guy and the oh. next guy. And then I, yeah, the pledges. And so we went through all of this stuff. Hours of hazing. And then they say, well, one of you didn't make it. So we got together and then we said, 
we don't want to be in the fraternity. And we all started to walk away. And they're like, no, 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 we're just joking. And we're like, no, no, we don't, we don't want to be in. They're like, no, we're, we're joking there. And we're like, okay. And then we came back and we got to drink beer and we became brothers. Yeah. See, we don't have that with Coastal Carolina. You know, they go through all the hazing, but they don't get in. Cincinnati? Yes, Todd. But think about how much more exciting the weekly, weekly rankings would be. What a tune-in fact that would be, knowing that it matters if you're 6 or you're 8 or you're 10, if they opened it up to more teams, when it's a foregone conclusion that, you know, it's 4, and then who cares after that? What kind of shirt you got on today? I'm wearing a, uh, this is a Bass Pro Shops uh, flannel going on. Okay. I have the top button. Yeah, I know. I'm surprised I, no one said anything yet. No, that's, that's why I brought it up. Oh, is that why? Well, the, the collar that's gets a little. That's about to happen. The collar gets a little weird when I, when I pop the top button. I just, I like the way the collar lies, even if it's not the cool thing to have the top button. Mm-hmm. button. So I just went with that. Okay. That's my look now. Are you in a gang or something? Not currently. I've oh, been okay. offered some opportunities, but it's not my thing. <laughs> the tough streets of uh, central Connecticut. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here 
both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. We make way for Mary Kay Cabot, probably short on sleep, but long on opinions. Brown's beat writer for Cleveland.com and the Cleveland Blaine dealer. Mary Kay, thanks for joining us on short notice. Was last night a good performance by the Cleveland Browns? Wow. You know what? I actually did fall asleep for a few hours. And when I woke up, I thought, did they win that game or <laughs> lose that game? I mean, it, it was almost a loss that felt like a victory. They played their hearts out. They fought so incredibly hard. I mean, it was a shame that that somebody actually did have to lose that game because, I mean, they all left it out there on the field. Imagine the the uh, morale or the feeling that a Cleveland had won that game last night because Baltimore was favored, but if – like we've been around long enough to know Cleveland loses those kind of games, but they stayed in that game last night. They came back in that game a couple of times last night. So the takeaway from that is what, and what's the big concern as you move forward towards the end of the regular season? Well, I think the takeaway is uh, they really showed that uh, that they can hang with a team like this once they get into the playoffs. I mean, this is what it's going to to be. You're going to face a team like the Ravens again. I mean, look at the Buffalo Bills, uh, obviously. Look at Kansas City, some of the other teams that you're going to have to face just to get to where you want to go. So I think the takeaway was, you know, they grew up a little bit. They had to put on their big boy pants and make it to the end of that game. And they almost pulled it off. And so I think that's a really good sign for them. The concern, obviously, is you know, the run defense. I mean, you just can't have uh, somebody run all over you like that. And I'm happy to report that I wasn't around for the game in 1922. (laughs) Who do you think is more dangerous come postseason time between these two? Wow, that's that's a great question. I think, I mean, the Browns are so hot, but I think the Ravens are getting it back at the right time as well. I think that uh, they've now got a great chance of making the playoffs themselves. Uh, I wouldn't, if I were an AFC team, I wouldn't want to touch either of these teams. Uh, And I I think it's going to be a great show. Uh, But for purposes of this, I'm going to say the Browns. Do the Browns miss Odell Beckham? You know, I think you always miss an Odell Beckham Jr. I don't care what anybody says. Uh, Baker and Odell in the beginning of the season, I think, was more a function of Baker trying to figure out Kevin Stefanski's offense, getting comfortable in it. I think Odell would be lighting it up with Baker right now. Mm. So, yes, I, I think so. I like what I saw from Baker Mayfield. You know, he had the interception, 
That's a bad interception, but it feels like he's letting the game kind of come to him and he's not trying to force it. He knows he's got 2,000-yard rushers back there. Pick your spots, play action, and I thought he did a pretty good job last night. I don't I don't know if this is the new and improved Baker, but, at, but like, have you seen, is there a maturation process going on here? Yes, absolutely. I have seen it in this offense, and I think that's what the key is. I mean, in the first game when they faced the Ravens, they were not ready. This was not the offense that they were. They could never have done something like what they did last night. They couldn't have done it. Now uh, they feel like they can beat anybody, and I kind of think they can. I mean, really, this is a team that if you have that kind of an offensive line, that kind of a defensive line, and those two-headed monster running backs – Baker Mayfield, you know, running off the play action like that. I think this is a very, very dangerous football team. And he has grown up in Kevin Stefanski's play action based scheme. What are the expectations of this team this year? You know what? I think they're I think they're growing right now. I think now they can see and other people can see the country got to see it last night uh, that they pretty much can hang with anybody or even beat anybody. There are very few teams that I'm not sure that they can beat. Now, Kansas City, uh, if I had to make a pick for them to beat Kansas City right now, I would pick Kansas City. But there aren't many other teams that I would pick uh, the Browns to lose to in the playoffs right now. Yeah, because I was wondering about that. When you have a running game and a, and a good defensive line, you can put pressure on uh, you know, the quarterback here. That, that travels. Like, if you're able to do that, you know, I don't have to blitz against Patrick Mahomes and I can run the football, control the clock, and keep him off the field. I know it sounds preposterous to say, but, you know, Cleveland can almost take the blueprint that the Titans had last year. Hey, just control the clock. You know, your defense isn't exposed. Make him, you know, every time he goes out there, he has to score. I don't know if it's possible, but those are the kind of teams that make me nervous come playoff time because they can, you know, make... You have to adjust to them instead of the other way around. Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right about that. The Browns can run the ball on anyone, and the Chiefs have. I think uh, last time I looked, it was the 23rd-ranked run defense. Uh, So the Browns would be able to play a little bit of that keep away, I would think. And then the other thing for them defensively is that they did not have Denzel Ward last night, their best cornerback. They did not have Ronnie Harrison last night, their best safety. Now, they hope to get both of those guys back fairly soon. Ronnie for the playoffs, Denzel maybe even this coming week. Week. So uh, the future does look pretty bright. Is Baker doing any more commercials? You know, I don't know if he's making more commercials uh, right now. I think they did most of those before the season, but I will tell you what, he is funny. I think that he rivals Peyton Manning in terms of just his comedic timing. He's a really, really funny individual, and and I really enjoy those commercials. I think they're hilarious. But but he seems serious, though, at, at every press conference. I, I don't see any personality there. I, I mean, we see it in the commercials, but he seems pretty serious. You know what? That is by design. He completely has toned himself down uh, in those press conferences press conferences, except for when he uh, uses his uh, his pop culture reference that uh, that the other quarterbacks in the room are putting him up to. So when he does that, then, you know, he shows a little bit of something. But other than that, you're right. He has been stone faced in those press conferences. We can barely get anything out of him this year. But I think that was, you know, that was part of the maturation process for him. Hopefully he'll add back some personality one of these days soon. Wait, you're saying the other quarterbacks on the roster, they give him like lines to insert into press conferences 
You know what? I don't know if they give him the line or if he has to come up with it himself, but that has been uh, one of the little games that they have going on this season is that uh, is that he has to do that. And then, you know, all of a sudden you'll hear him, you know, uh, quote something from the office or or something like that. So well, yeah, I did I, say, you know, as long as I'm I, I'm I'm trying to cut down on being an idiot or something like that was the, uh, the line that that's his new philosophy. Yes, that's what that is all about. And, uh, you know, that was revealed in a pregame uh, in a pregame uh, interview that he did. So but you're right. It would be nice if we could get a little bit of, uh, you know, just some of that sort of fun Baker out of him and hopefully he'll loosen up. But I think that was a Kevin Stefanski thing, too. I think he was like, you know what, let's just kind of shut up a little bit off the field and just put the blinders on and get focused here. Mary Kay, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Mary Kay Cabot covers the Browns, Cleveland.com, and the Cleveland Plain Dealer. Be sure to catch the live edition of the Dan Patrick Show weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. He was on the broadcast last night with Brian Greasy and Steve Levy. He's Lewis Riddick, who was kind enough to join us on the program uh, Lewis, let me start with this question. Thanks for joining us. Was this a good night for the Cleveland Browns? Yes, it was. It was. And I know, you know, I said, and I said last night, Dan, that there, there's no consolation prizes in the NFL. You know, there's no moral victories. But I think for this football team and for the city, given the fact that this is a team that had beaten them eight out of the past 11 games, I believe it was, or eight out of the past 10 games, something like that, and given the fact that the narrative surrounding the Browns is really not a narrative. I mean, it's just a truth that um, they hadn't beaten anybody good. They hadn't really stood up and really given the quality teams, per se, in the NFL real good games outside of you know playing Tennessee the way they did the week before and beating them. They needed to have a good performance. They needed to have a strong performance. They needed to show that they can compete for three, three and a half hours, however long a game is going to take and compete at a high level and play an exciting brand of football for really people to say that's not the same old Browns then. And I think they accomplished that. And, if, you know, for a play here and there, for them not to, you know, if it wasn't for the fact that they went up against the reigning MVP, who quite honestly put on like a Superman-like performance last night, they wouldn't get that football game. And, and I think people, I think people, if you really look at it, you don't have any kind of grudge against the Cleveland Browns and or aren't just predetermined to say, look, the Browns are the Browns and they're not, they're, they're not going to be relevant again. And you would, you would make that kind of objective assessment. But this is a different football team, and Kevin Stefanski has them going in the right direction. Assuming both make the playoffs, who would be the tougher out? Uh, wow. Um, I would probably still say the Ravens would still be the tougher out because of the fact that Lamar is just so different. He's such a difference maker, and when his, you know, if he if he's not able to to really get it going through the air, whether it be because he's not on or because the wide receiver core is letting him down in many respects, like they did last night for the better part of the game until, you know, Mark Andrews and Marquise Brown make some good big plays late. I still think that they have enough on the offensive side to give every team a scare because of Lamar, because of how special he is just as an athlete overall. And I think the defense, you know, they were down some players last night, particularly in the secondary, and it started to cost them late in the game. 
I think the defense is one where they'll be able to ratchet it up and they will be able to make enough plays, enough game-changing plays in order to keep them in it and give Lamar enough possessions to win a football game in a single elimination type scenario. So I'd give them the nod. Yeah, I would too, because Lamar is one of the handful of players has that it factor. And I think that Mm -hmm. the Ravens are going to get healthier here over the next month. But if I'm Cleveland's defense, like what did they want Lamar to do last night? What were they trying (laughs) to get him to do? Because I still don't know. Yeah, that's, that's a great point. That's a great point. What, what happened was, you know, with him, they, they let him get every time. With every time they played man-to-man coverage against their second against their wide receivers, and they didn't have good vision on Lamar. That's when they got themselves in trouble. When they played zone coverage, played with good vision on him, kept him contained, so to speak, in the pocket, and were able to rally to him because they had eleven eyes on him because people were able to play with good vision. They were relatively successful. So I think that that's what wound up happening. When they broke down, he, he doesn't give you much margin for error. And he took advantage of them whenever they turned their back on him, so to speak. And I, and I, I said that a couple different times last night, that any time he's making them pay every time they try to make him pay um, by playing tight man coverage against him and seeing whether or not he can throw the football against him. Because he'll just say, hey, look, you know, maybe, maybe I can't get the ball where I need to get it to right now in the passing game. But what I can always do is I can always take off and run and just gas you that way. And he did that last night. And I, and I think he, he does that against a lot of people. He does that against the majority of people he goes against. Cleveland still has some work to do, Dan. There's no question about that. They still have some people, some work to do on the defensive side where they'll need some more reinforcements and they'll need to add some guys this off season. And remember Denzel Ward wasn't playing last, last night either. So, I mean, it, there's, there's still some work to be done, but um, that's Lamar. Lamar has you, you know, will have you start looking at your roster and going, man, what else do I need? Are we not really good enough when he makes you look like that? Did you have an idea what was going on in the locker room? We, we weren't You know what? I, I suspected that, you know, maybe it was, you know, the players sometimes, you know, nature calls. Sometimes things just happen to where you have to do what you need to do. I wasn't sure. I mean, I just knew this. When the Ravens kept saying that he wasn't, that there was nothing wrong with him, he wasn't hurt, he wasn't injured, really, I thought, you know what, it could be a wide range of things. But I, I really didn't have any idea. It's, you know, quite honestly, when Trace McSorley went to the football game and he was throwing the ball with some good effectiveness, I was like, man, this could be interesting. Maybe we're going to see a coming out party for Trace McSorley right here. <laughs> and then, and then uh, next thing you know, he slips and, you know, his knee gets caught up. And I'm going, what the heck is going on? And then you see Lamar come running back out and I'm going, this is this is just nuts. This is high drama, right? It, it was actually pretty cool how it all happened. I just hope Trace McSorley is okay. I haven't heard exactly what you know the extent of his injury, but I mean Lamar told us what he told us as far as what happened in the locker room. Nevertheless, I mean the way he won that game for him, you know, before I mean he didn't win it, but the way he set it up for him, what a heck of a story it was. Okay, have you had? How does that work when you played? Yeah, and you have to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> so. How's that work? You know, there, there's, I mean, I'm sure you've heard stories, man, about – I guess it depends what kind of going to the bathroom you're talking about. All right? and if, I mean, if you, if you just have to go number one, so to speak. I mean, some guys – and look, man, I play with guys who just would go in their – I mean, Mark Schlereth used to talk about all the time about guys who would just go in their pants, you know, right there on the sideline. I mean, there, there, was, no, there was no porta potty or anything like that on the sideline. Um, 
So, I mean, guys just would take, take matters in their own hands, so to speak. When it comes to something else, for me, that never happened. I mean, that, that's the weird thing in all my years of football, from Pop Warner all the way to the pros. I don't think in a game that ever happened to me. Where I, and I don't remember there being a situation where it became an issue for someone else. You know, it was usually something that people took care of at halftime or whatever. But I remember Rodney that, Harrison that's saying, never happened to me. Rodney Harrison said that you just sit on the bench, put a towel underneath you, and. I have never seen somebody do that. <laughs> I, I, I'm telling you, I've never said that either. I've never seen that. But that would, that would be wild. I would have known if that would have happened, believe me, man. I would have known. But that, it, it just never came up. He's uh, Lewis Riddick, ESPN Monday Night Football analyst, former pro scout, director of pro personnel, and uh, former NFL defensive back. Do you hold any grudges with anybody that you played against? Was there somebody that hit you, said something like, it'll never go away? Uh, no. No, I don't. Not, not while we were playing, no. Because, you know... But now, like, do you... No, no. I mean, there, there's nobody really that that I would say that I feel as though you know I didn't even score with or or something like that. No, I don't. And and the reason why, honestly, is because I, I know that you know that's just the way football goes, man. I mean, sometimes you get them, they get you. And I think the reason why I felt I'm, I'm good with that is because as many times as I got whacked and or hit or beat or whatever it is, I know I gave out my fair share and I'm good with that. And I kind of like, I kind of liked it like that. I never felt like anybody hit me dirty or anybody tried to injure me or anything like that. So it was, I was good with the give and take. Did you ever hit somebody and feel sorry? Uh, yeah, I I think, I think I did. You know, we, we were, we were, um, when I was a rookie in Atlanta in 92, in the preseason, we were playing against Cleveland. Uh, I was playing for Jerry Glanville then. And there was a wide receiver who caught a slant route. Now, the interesting thing about that was I was groggy in that game. You know, those were, these were back in the days before, you know, there was like a real extensive, you know, checking on players who you know, maybe had, had concussions or what have you. And, you know, I, I know I was I was not right in that game, and I wasn't quite sure. You know, I had a couple big hits on Kevin Mack in the preseason, and you remember how big Kevin Mack was. So, I mean, every time you hit Kevin Mack, he's going to kind of knock your screws loose a little bit. And I hit this wide receiver simply because I was just standing in the middle of the field, didn't even know what the defensive call was, and I just know the ball was thrown, and I just sprinted towards this wide receiver and just literally, I mean, just hit him with all I had. And one of our defensive backs. I think his name was Frankie Smith, was hanging on him at the same time. And I knocked the wide receiver out. I mean, he was out cold. And I, I believe he wound up having, you know, he suffered some kind of injury to his neck or back. And Frankie Smith, who was hanging on him at, in the corner, who was covering him at the time, his finger got caught between me and the wide receiver. And it just obliterated his finger. And I think that's the time where I felt, man, not only did I injure the guy, I injured one of my own teammates, and yeah. I wasn't even quite sure what I was, you know, what I was supposed to be doing at the time. So yeah, some of those big hits like that, you feel bad afterwards. But I mean, that's just the way the, you know, that's the way the game was, and that's the way we played it, and that's the way I played it. Mm-hmm. And you didn't want to see guys get hurt, but 
it definitely, you know, in the 90s, 80s, you know, it was a different type type of game, you know, back then, especially when it came, came to collisions and high-speed collisions in the secondary. I mean, they were a regular occurrence. You know how that was. Well, I tell this and, audience all the time, so, if you saw a game from the sidelines, yeah, you would never let your kid play that game. Because no doubt. it is just, I can close my eye. I, I went to a Giants game and I was on the sidelines when LT was there and that great defense. Mm-hmm. I closed my eyes because I wanted to hear a game for a couple of plays. Holy smoke show. It was, yeah. it was scary, Lewis. Scary. Yeah. The it, sound. It the images, <laughs> yeah, the, the sound, the collisions. Like I, and I played with, when I was in Cleveland, and then when I was in Atlanta, too. In Atlanta, I played with Scott Case, Jeff Donaldson, Jesse Tuggle. Scott Case and Jeff Donaldson at safeties were pound for pound, two of the toughest guy who, guys who ever played in the NFL. I saw Scott Case leave his feet and hit people, and the sound that you would hear, it was like a, like a bomb went off. I played with Eric Turner in Cleveland. Eric Turner was easily in that category of the – you know, the late, great Don Rogers, Kenny Easley, Ronnie Lott, Dennis Smith, those types of guys who were just vicious, vicious hitters, vicious. And when I played for the Raiders at the last year of my career, I mean, those were – I mean, when I went out there, every time I was trying to hit people like like George Atkinson hit people, like, you know, love them or not. I mean, I mean Jack Tatum was probably the biggest hitter of all time. And you're right. When you're doing it, it's not that you don't you don't really know how, just how vicious it sounds. But when you see your teammates do it, and or if you're on the sideline, you see another defender do it, you realize this is not for the timid man. Ooh. It's not for the timid at all. Uh, I'll leave you with this: the number of teams <laughs> that you honestly think can go to the Super Bowl in the AFC and the NFC. Let's start with the AFC that you truly believe they could play. They could represent their conference in the Super Bowl. Yeah, well, you know Kansas City can, and they probably will. You know Buffalo right now. Buffalo's on a mission, and and I think they are going to be – they're going to give Kansas City all they want in a rematch-type scenario. We know Kansas City ran ran over them pretty hard earlier in the season. I think those – those two in the AFC are probably the ones who you legitimately – Legitimately, say you know, in all different types of environment scenarios, those those two teams can travel and they can play. You know, they can play you. However, I think the Colts are sneaky because Chris Ballard is starting to give them that kind of. You know, they, he's kind of building them in that kind of image. Are you sold on Philip Rivers? No, and I think you know, I think in the end, when you assess them, I mean, I'm, I'm sold on Philip Rivers as a as a quality court. I mean, he's done great things in his career. I just don't know if he has enough gas in the tank to deal with a team like Buffalo and Josh Allen, like Kansas City and Pat- Patrick Mahomes, those guys are special. Those guys can make the difference. Philip can't be the difference anymore. Yeah. And I think that's the difference. All right. Uh, NFC, how many teams legitimately can go to the Super Bowl? Yeah. You know, in a, in a one-off type of scenario, I mean, I think, I think you, you probably have to count out the teams in the NFC East only because, you know, I, I just don't know if they're ready yet, although – you know, teams like Washington and, and even the Giants, I mean, they're showing a lot of grit here late in the season. I just don't know if they're if they're ready to contend with 
the Packers because you know Aaron is just that special, and him, him and Matt Lafleur have it going on. So that's one of them. You know the Saints are going to be there, despite the egg they basically laid against Philadelphia last week. You know they're going to be there because they can do it all offensively and defensively, especially when Drew's healthy. Tampa, I'm not so sure, man, anymore about Tampa. I just don't know. I mean, Bruce says he can that they can do whatever the hell they want, quote unquote, as far as their identity offensively. I'm just not so sure. But they got to win I, three love- games on the road, though, Lewis. They're not going to have home yeah. field advantage. Exactly. But, you know, I mean, a lot of people in the NFL believe home field advantage doesn't mean anything. And I guess it depends where they have to go, especially in, in this in this pandemic year. I guess it depends where they have to go. If they have to go somewhere cold weather, then maybe that's the equalizer. But I, I don't think home field's the same as it is. I really don't. I really don't. But we'll, we'll see with them. Seattle? And then it, Seattle, if their defense can continue to come on, yeah. And the, Ra- and the Rams, the too, though. The Rams, to me... That's right. There's a lot more in the NFC. They're solid. The Ram- yeah. That's right. The, Ram- the Rams are a down-and-dirty type team. Great defense. Brandon Staley is a great young coach, up-and-coming coach, be a head coach very soon. And on the offensive side, when Sean is in that rhythm and Jared Goff is in that rhythm with him, they will run the ball down your throat with those backs that they have and then they'll gas you with that play-action passing game. I, I, they, they are sneak. Oh, actually, they're not sneaky anymore. People know that Sean McVay's a good coach, and they know that they have a solid football team. So, yeah, there, there's a lot more possibilities in the NFC. It'll be the Steelers at the Bengals next Monday night. Lewis, thanks for joining us. We appreciate your time. Absolutely, Dan. Always love coming on. Thank you. That's Lewis Riddick, a uh, former defensive back. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR or stream us live on the Peacock app. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, You can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver. And this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Dan Wetzel is a columnist for Yahoo Sports, and his uh, latest column, the headline is, Does Ohio State Belong in the Playoff? College Football Playoff Committee has painted itself into a subjective corner. Dan Wetzel joins us now. Why do you feel this way, Dan? Well, so this is kind of a nuanced column, which I know America loves nuance uh, at this point, <laughs> and uh, especially sports talk radio. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> it's a place for that type of debate. Uh, I don't disagree with the idea that Ohio State's one of the four best teams. And personally, I would be pretty excited to watch them play in the playoff. But there is a process. And I don't know how um, we went from a couple years ago where we we're keeping Big 12 teams out because they didn't play a 13th game. They only played 12. It was a big deal. They only played 12 games, and other leagues got a, quote, 13th data point was the big bureaucratic term. Ohio State has played five games. That's it, five games. They'll play six. Four of those games, they'll have an off week before it. Um, they, you know, they may be one of the four best teams, but don't you have to play a season – to actually make the playoffs. It's like giving someone a chance at the Masters from the forward tees. Uh, you still got to kind of, you know, you finish the round, but what exactly happened? So it's a, uh, it's a, it's an interesting debate because it goes completely against what they used to do. Now we know this has basically always been a subjective thing, and they just reverse engineer a reason on why they like this team or that one. But I don't know what they're going to come up with on Ohio State other than, hey, we just like Ohio State because 
you know, when you're playing six games and other teams are playing 12, 11, 10, and may have nine, 10 wins, uh, it's, uh, you know, you got to play. I mean, we shouldn't reward it where the easiest way to make the playoff is not to play. I mean, it's a good way to avoid losses, but at some point you have to play the season. Let me give you full control. You got full control to decide who plays in the playoff. So what would you do? I'd expand the playoff, <laughs> but if I can't do that, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see who wins this weekend, but obviously if Alabama wins, Alabama I think should be in either way. I think Notre Dame should be in either way, uh, barring you know a 50-point destruction at Clemson. I think Clemson is a team that you know they do have a loss, but if you're talking about a loss, a double overtime on the road without your starting quarterback, that is a – I know it's a zero-sum game we play in football, but that is about as close of a loss as you can possibly have. I think Clemson still has a very good argument. I think if Florida beats Alabama, they still get in. Florida, at that point, would have nine SEC victories, which is the most of any school to ever play because uh, normally you only play eight regular season games in one conference game. They would have they would have nine. I don't think Florida is necessarily out of this hmm. if they beat Alabama. I would take a team like that because I kind of just – I, uh, maybe I even even if I do love what Ohio State represents and how good they could be, I'm kind of more of a process guy, just the way I think about it. And I look at it and say, geez, you know, I mean, I, I don't know how I can take a team with nine wins or, or a team of six wins over a team with nine or something like that. But obviously, I think Ohio State's got a good point. This really isn't a, a bash Ohio State thing. It's just the Big Ten chose to do this. They chose to only play an abbreviated season late with no – wiggle room you know the sec is going to get like 68 or 69 of the 71 scheduled games in uh you could do this if you spread out your season the big 10 chose to do this uh and so they have a team that will have six wins i I don't think you can just ignore that i was wondering about this last night usc's five and oh they got the pac-12 title game on friday night against oregon they'll if they win they'd be six and oh if usc had a recent resume where they were one of the top five to seven teams in college football. How would the committee look at USC if they had this? They haven't been relevant here in a while, but let's say they have six wins. They won the Pac-12, and maybe they were up for a national championship uh, time or two in the last five to seven years. Would USC be knocking on the doorstep of making the playoffs? My guess is yes, and that's kind of the issue you have with this. Is And I, I get it. This is a crazy year. But this is why it's completely subjective. What what is it about? Let me put it this way: Coastal Carolina could go twelve and zero. Okay, Coastal Carolina has they could go twenty uh, and zero, Dan. They could go twenty and zero. You're <laughs> yeah. not going to put them in yeah. because you go, ah, oh, it's Coastal Carolina. Their recruits aren't good enough. We don't really. What is this uniform? Who? Are, where, where that? What Carolina are we even coastaling? <laughs> what is this? Right. <laughs> This is USC. US, we know that uniform. We know that fight song. And they have tons of great recruits. They have tons of guys that are going to go to the NFL. Their problem has been not getting it organized and winning. So, yeah, agreed. Like, well, what is it about US? Well, they haven't been winning lately. Or all of a sudden we're going to go, well, it's, some of these games are kind of close. Um, how are they 15th? They're currently 15th I in know. the rankings, right. right? Coastal, like you said, they go 12-0. and 0. They're 13th. They're not even close. Uh, but but we go, we move Iowa State up because they're in the Big 12. Well, the Big 12 usually gets crushed in the playoff. Like, I don't think the Sun Belt's going to do a whole lot worse than the Big 12 does every year. Uh, it's, it's, it's all, like, it's not even consistent rank to rank. And so, uh, you know, at the end of the day, especially in a season like this, we end up with, like, 
Alabama playing Ohio, uh, Notre Dame and Clemson playing Ohio State on New Year's Day, like set off the fireworks. Fantastic. This is going to be awesome, right? Mm-hmm. But if you care, if you look at, you dig into this thing, you go, man, this is just, I mean, this is just ridiculous. None of this makes any sense. There's no consistency. And they're just sitting there going, hey, we want these four teams and we're going to find a way to get these four teams. If they told me that up front, Dan, I would be fine with it. It's just they give you the impression that dare to dream, but I likened it to you go through the hazing part of trying to get into a fraternity and then they don't let you into the fraternity. <laughs> and, and, and so I, if you say, look, Ohio State, we love them, the big fan base, Notre Dame, big fan base, Clemson, big fan base, Trevor Lawrence, and you got Alabama, Nick Saban, and they got pedigree. Okay, I understand it, but don't tell me that, uh, well, five games, that you, you passed the sight test. I think, as you mentioned in your column, the Titanic passed the sight test. Like, <laughs> this is silly when we go, I don't know if Ohio State's great. Because if you say, based off what they did in their biggest game against Indiana, I don't think they were great. The Big Ten was horrible this year, and now you got Northwestern coming up. It, it doesn't mean that I don't want to see Ohio State. It's just I don't know how one team earns it and another team tries to earn it, but they're not the same. They don't play by the same rules. Absolutely. And look, at again, I don't think Coastal Carolina is one of the four best teams. I don't really want to watch Alabama play Coastal Carolina. But if there was ever a year that a school like that should be at least in the discussion, it's this year because their league was one of the only ones to play non-conference games so you could check and see how they were. And they beat all the Big 12 teams. Louisiana, who they're going to play in their championship game, beat Iowa State by 17 points in Ames. And it's just like, well, we don't care about that. Coastal Carolina beat BYU. These are the best games. And so if you, at the end of the day, said, look, we have a process and, hey, you know, COVID, Coastal Carolina snuck in on a loophole. At least you go, well, that's the process. Instead, we're just like, there is no process. And, we're, you know, we may get a better playoff for it. But, yeah, stop with the two days of meetings, 16 hours, and we have <laughs> analytics and proprietary data that you don't know about. That's what we're seeing. What data? Like, you just want Ohio State in there. That's fine. Just say it. I want Ohio State in there, This too. feels like the usual suspects with Kaiser Sose. Yeah. Like, like this, this committee is Kaiser Sose. I don't know who they are and what they do, but there's some stuff that gets done there and we'll never know what goes on behind those closed doors there. But if I said you could do 18 playoff, 16 playoff, 12, six, you know, 16, I would do, I would do eight. I would have five automatic bids for the major five conferences, which I think would create way more excitement around the country and help spread the wealth out a little bit right now for the last five years, no one's cared about the PAC 12 race you would actually care in a given year if they're going to get in um and and what we need to do is create more excitement for more schools so the recruits spread out a little bit because what we have right now is basically about four to five schools that can win a national championship every year uh you know it's alabama it's Ohio State, it's lsu it's georgia it's clemson and you know that's pretty much it actually uh maybe notre dame can do it but um, and if you look at the recruiting, recruiting signing day is Wednesday. Yeah. Guess who your top five are? <laughs> uh, you know, there you go. So why not? Right. If you're a kid, you're going, I don't, I want to play for the title. This is, these are the only schools to get in. So you want to spread it out. I'd have five automatic bids and then I have three at large. You might create something where an, the, the, the group of six, the lower schools, if you reach a certain benchmark, you can get in and bring kind of a Cinderella story in. Maybe you got to be undefeated or you got to rank certain height, but 
Um, I think it would create a lot more excitement. You're just adding a game. If you look at all the stuff they used to say, well, we can't, we can't do it because we can't play games in December because of finals. Uh, I mean, like Rutgers and Nebraska are playing on Friday <laughs> afternoon. Okay, that's out the window. You know, the the the, the <laughs> sanctity of the Rose Bowl. There ain't going to be a Rose Bowl this year. There's a good chance there's going to be no Rose Bowl. They're just going to move the game. You can totally do it. You'll make more money, which you all need, and you can you can set this up. I just think it would be a much more exciting and it would be better for the regular season and the overall health of college football. Because the one thing, it's a wonderful sport. I love it. But it is the same suspects every single year because unlike the NFL, the worst team doesn't get the best draft pick. The worst team gets the worst draft pick. The best team gets the best draft pick, so it never ends. Jim Harbaugh seems to be safe at Michigan, right? Feels like uh, uh, time Jim to Harbaugh move. seems if he wants to return, he will be able to return. You know, the thinking at Michigan uh, all along from Ward Manuel is that, you know, one bad year um, is one bad year. Brian Kelly had a four-win season a couple years ago, and there they're going to make their – should make their second playoff appearance in three. Uh, Mark D'Antonio's had bad years at Michigan State comeback. It, it happens, right, with a great coach. Now, I don't know that Jim Harbaugh has done what Brian Kelly has done at Notre Dame, but he certainly has earned that trust uh, within the Michigan family. You got to remember, his dad was a longtime coach. He's a Ann Arbor guy. He played there for Bo. Uh, he, you know, has done a, a good job. Not He hasn't beaten Ohio State, but it's really hard to beat Ohio State. Um, but he's done a good a good job there. You're not having like a bunch of arrests or problems with their thing or anything like that. They have a good recruiting class. So there is a patience at Michigan. And what's kind of funny is in the world of college football, that patience is viewed as insanity. Like, what do you mean you're <laughs> patient? And they're like, look, we still got like an alum who's a Super Bowl winning coach. Who, yeah, he won nine games last year. Yeah, it's not that bad. We'll give him one more season. It was COVID, all that. People are like, you're absolutely crazy. You're nuts. And so that's where we're at. That's part of the fun of college football, too. But yeah, he he'll be back. And but next year, you know, he he has to, he's got a very good quarterback coming in out of the high school ranks. He's got this kid Cade McNamara, showed a little bit of promise before getting hurt. He needs a quarterback. Desperately. He hasn't had a quarterback in Ann Arbor. It's been surprising, and that's been their their number one problem. And that's what's amazing. This is a guy who played quarterback at a high level in the NFL, and he can't find a quarterback. And it feels like there are so many quarterbacks. When I watch college football, usually what you lead with is, who's the quarterback? And if you're successful, chances are it's because of your quarterback. And the fact that Michigan can't find one, and Ohio State keeps churning out these First-round draft picks, and they did it again this year with Justin Fields. I mean, they just rub it in, make it even worse there for Harbaugh. But you'd think he'd have that ability to go, that guy can lead my offense, and he hasn't been able to find that. Ohio State was so stacked with quarterbacks, they they kicked Joe Burrow to the curb. I mean, <laughs> and this is what Michigan used to be. Tom Brady sat on the bench because you couldn't get on the field. I mean, Michigan is a quarterback school. Harbaugh didn't just play 14 seasons in the NFL and not as a super talented quarterback. He gutted his way through those 14 seasons. He also coached Andrew Luck in college, coached Alex Smith in that pros. He went to a Super Bowl with Colin Kaepernick in a in a in, a, in an event of offense, right? So it's not like, well, he was he was Peyton Manning's coach. It's like, well, Peyton Manning's kind of his own coach, right? No, he 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 developed guys and maxed guys out. The number one thing I thought 
The last thing I thought would be a problem with Jim Harbaugh going to Michigan was they wouldn't have any quarterbacks. Yeah. I thought they'd have a ton of them. Until he gets one, you can't win, and he hasn't had one, and that's what's held him back. Now, does that change? We'll see, uh, but he will. I think he will be back for one more season unless some NFL team comes in and says, we, we want you, and, and there really isn't a lot of buzz on that right now. Dan, good to talk to you as always, and if I don't talk to you, uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and uh, we appreciate your time. That's you too, it. Mr. Patrick. Talk to you soon. Dan Wetzel, Yahoo Sports columnist. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.